Adina Berkowitz, you are the founder and executive director of Lime TV. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for joining me today on the Fact Up podcast. Thank you for having me, Jim. It's always great to see you. I uh, likewise, and I, I wanted to get you on the podcast for a while because I feel what you do is is very, very important work. Lyme disease is, of course, a, a health issue. Um, it's it's one that affects everyone, uh, including and especially travels, but uh, travelers, I mean. But um, before we get into that, tell us what Lyme TV is all about and what your day to day looks like as founder and executive director. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Lime TV is a 501c3 nonprofit, and our mission is basically to prevent dangerous tick-borne diseases. We educate the community on prevention facts uh, because prevention essentially is key to reducing incidence of disease. People need to be aware of the dangers and how to protect themselves. We are scientifically focused, and we only... Um, disseminate the most robust peer-reviewed information on the topic and all of our services are free to, to the community. Uh, we educate children, we have a school program, we educate adults, uh, and we have a community outreach program that provides free tick repellent and permethrin-treated socks and tick education to the unhoused and um, underserved of our community. What is Lyme disease for those who are completely unfamiliar with it? It is a um, disease transmitted by a tick bite. It is um, a bacteria uh, that stems, um, it, it's a spirochete bacteria in the shape of a corkscrew. Uh, the scientific name of the bacteria is, um, is a Borrelia. There's different strains of um, Borrelia that cause uh, Lyme disease in the United States, Europe, Asia. Um, it is in over 80 countries worldwide. Um, and it's pretty prevalent in the United States um, where I'm located. I'm in Maine right now, I'm in Canada. Uh, it's also prevalent in, in Canada. Um, and so there's a lot of under and misdiagnosed cases there as well. Uh, but in the United States, there's about 500,000 cases new cases every year and about 20 percent of them uh do not get better on a typical course of antibiotics so there there is about a hundred thousand people who remain with persistent clinical symptoms year after year almost like long covid um there's like a post-infectious sequelae with tick-borne diseases um as the community and, and the world now sees that can happen with covid but it is not unique to COVID, and it's certainly also not unique to Lyme disease. There are other infectious um, diseases and, vir and viral um, agents that cause, uh, cause post-infectious issues, even strep throat. You mentioned the dangers and you mentioned the symptoms. Tell us, you know, walk us through some of those dangers and symptoms. Yeah, so the real, the real um, you know, dangers lie um, with having the disease misdiagnosed or diagnosed at a late stage, because typically 80% of people do get better with um, early diagnosis and treatment on a 30-day course of antibiotics. Uh, but again, when you're talking about a lot of people acquiring um, Lyme disease every year, there's another approximate 250,000 cases of other tick-borne diseases. So when you add it together, you're looking at about 750,000 cases of tick-borne diseases alone in the United States every year. 
Um, and these diseases, some of them can cause, uh, you know, vascul uh, vasculitis, they could cause granuloma in your vascular system. Um, Lyme can cause issues with your heart in the acute phase. Um, it is rare, but there are cases of Lyme carditis, um, which can cause someone to have a heart attack and die. Um, there's also neurological Lyme disease when uh, the bacteria gets into your neurological system and your spinal fluid that can um, mimic dementia and other, you know, serious dis diseases and disorders, Alzheimer's disease um, as well. So um, the early symptoms kind of start out typically almost like flu-like symptoms, you know, you're, you have achy joints, you could have a fever. Um, you know, uh, the, the the symptoms do present differently with people because there are different strains and species of, of Lyme disease or um, species and strains, I should say. And there are, um, and with the different tick-borne diseases, a lot of the symptoms can overlap or they could be distinct, distinctly different, uh, but may exasperate clinical symptoms. So every case is really different. Um, but typically, you will have um, achy joints, um, really bad fatigue and malaise. You may have fever. Um, you know, a subset of people, about 50% of people, it, it does range differently per region, I guess I should say as well. And it is also strain specific um, of the bacteria. But typically, um, Lyme disease, um, we're told to look for the classic bullseye rash, right? Like that's a classic symptom. But bullseye doesn't necessarily need to look like a bullseye rash. It just needs to have like a clear center and spread out. Um, and it could spread all over your body. You could have many of those rashes. Um, it could be in any shape. Uh, it could be in different parts of your body. It doesn't have to be where the tick bite is. It could be in your scalp and you'll never see it. Or you may not even ever get one of those rashes, um, which can uh, help um, delay the diagnosis of Lyme disease. That's why prevention is so important so we don't get bitten by a tick in the first place. Um, and as the disease disease disseminates throughout the body and uh, becomes um, a later stage of the disorder, uh, disease, just like with other diseases, we have stages with Lyme disease. There's three stages. So once it starts disseminating and um, throughout the body, which is typically at about six weeks after the bite, um, you know, it's there, the symptoms can definitely um, become more severe and more serious and, um, and, can, and be, can be harder to treat. Wow. And, and, you know, I think that the next obvious question is you mentioned protection. How do people protect themselves? What do people have to know? What do people have to pack, especially travelers who are traveling to, uh, I assume, the northern part of the United States throughout many parts of Europe and Canada? Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, the crazy thing is that ticks are everywhere. There are literally hundreds of species of ticks worldwide, about 800. And again, you know, Lyme disease is in over 80 countries. It is a worldwide epidemic. Uh, people just don't realize that they that a little tiny arachnid can cause, um, you know, such illness. So people are may not necessarily think about it. When we think of vector borne diseases, we think of um, mosquitoes, and we have to protect ourselves from mosquitoes, right? We put on bug spray from mosquitoes because we don't want to get malaria when we're traveling. We may even take malarial prophylactics, right? Depending on what country we go to, or special vaccines like 
yellow fever or rabies or, you know, typhoid if we're going, you know, to Africa or India. Um, you know, so we have all these precautions that we take as travelers. I know you travel a lot. I've I've spent time traveling. You know, we we love to travel. It's in our DNA and and in our our heart and soul. So when we when we, you know, think about um packing, we should always consider ticks as well. And so first of all, I'd like to also note that not all bug sprays are created equally because the active ingredient to protect against ticks needs to be at 20% of the active ingredient. Um, and a lot of bug sprays um, are only good against, um, protect against mosquitoes. They may only repel mosquitoes because the active ingredient is too low to protect against ticks, um, like DEET or picaridin or IR3535. Any EPA approved tick repellent um, needs to have a 20% or higher active ingredient. So um, that being said, um, besides just wearing bug spray, um, essentially the best way to protect against uh, tick bites is not going into tick habitats. But that, um, but that is very hard to do because even walking to your mailbox, you're in a, you're essentially in a tick habitat if you have any type of yard, right? And you brush up against ticks. Ticks could come into your house, hitchhiking on your shoes, your pants, your pet. You don't need to be in the woods to get a tick bite. You don't need to be in a field, although those are more high-risk zones. You could be in your own yard. You could be walking your dog in an urban park, a city park. There are ticks in city parks and urban areas like New York City, Philadelphia. There's been a lot of um, tick drag studies showing the prevalence of tick-borne diseases and the ticks in those areas in those city parks. Um, so you, you, you do want to stay out of pick habitats as much as possible, but obviously that's that's not always realistic, especially if we're traveling and you know want to hike and things like that. So um you definitely want to wear protective clothing like long sleeves um and long pants and tuck your pants into your socks. Like pull your socks over your pants. Mm -hmm. Um wear light colored clothing. Like if a tick were crawling on me now in this shirt, I wouldn't be able to see it. But light colored clothing, you can see the ticks crawling on you easier. Um, and you want to treat your clothes in um, permethrin. You can get permethrin treated clothes, the clothing that like protects against, you know, that has insect repellent built into it that will re uh, repel ticks as well as mosquitoes and any kind of like sugars and other biting insects. Um, so you, you know, you want to protect yourself with, you know, tick repellent, stay out of habitat, wear protective clothing and constantly check. Like anytime you come back inside, check for ticks. Even on cold days, on winter days, ticks mm. are active if it's above freezing. So if it's below like, you know, 34 degrees Fahrenheit, um, you know, ticks are going to be active and they only hibernate in the winter because they kind of, you know, they, they, they hide and, um, and get cozy kind of under leaf litter. And then they're insulated when the snow's on top. So they're just hibernating. Um, and then when it's on a warm winter day and that snow melts, you know, um, they're out and about looking for a blood meal. So it, if you're traveling to a cold area, if you're traveling to a warm climate, you know, just essentially keep ticks in mind and, sure. and always take those those precaution measures, whether traveling or at home every day, really, people should take those measures and Correct. check for their, their pets, you know, pets come in your house, dig through the hair. Check for ticks. I could talk. Right. I know what's going on. Not at all. And you like you lead into my next question. Everyone can get affected. What about everything? Now, what what are we doing to protect our our dogs and and our pets when we're out 
for example, on a hike in a, in a park? Well, um, you know, the keratin is safe to spray on animals. Uh, farmers use it on horses. Um, of course, read the bottle, you know, take a look, but I think you could spray it on dogs too. Um, and you could have some, some um, dog companies make permethrin treated like um, bandanas or, you know, clothing for dogs. That can help if the tick is like going there, right? But of course, if the tick's crawling on the legs and the legs are exposed, you know, um, they can get um, bitten as well. So for um, dogs, um, horses, cows, any mammal really can get, you know, these tick-borne diseases. Cats less so. Cats really don't get transmitted live, but they do get other diseases like um, you know, transmitted from fleas and other vector-borne diseases like Bartonella, and they could, you know, yeah, uh, all kinds of animals. Elephants in Africa um, get a, um, a specific strain of Ehrlichia and another, um, and Anaplasma. They can get the diseases that we get here from ticks. They get them in Africa, just different strains. So wow. um, animals definitely can get these same diseases. And, um, but there are pills um, and vaccines for dogs and, and pills for cats too. Um, but the vaccine um, for dogs can certainly protect them from getting Lyme. And the pills, um, when a tick bites them, help, it'll kill the tick. It'll, so, however, those only work when the tick bites, right? So, uh, again, a tick could be hitchhiking on the animal. They come into your home and the tick may never attach but fall off and then bite you while you're sleeping in your bed um, or on your couch. So it is a good idea, even with those other precautions, like, you know, like a, a tick and flea collar and the medications and the vaccine for your pet, that you still purge them when they come back inside because the tick, it's not going to work if the tick doesn't bite them yet, essentially. Sure. You know, for those interested to learn more about your story, LimeTV.org is the is the website to get um, all the information about you and, uh, you know, what you offer. But um, talk about some of the triumphs you experienced since your journey with Lyme began, including the ones that you still uh, persevere through today. Well, um, I am proud of the team. Uh, that Line TV has, um, you know, rallied together. Uh, we are an all-volunteer team, um, and most of us have had experience with tick-borne disease um, and illness ourselves. Some of us uh, still are dealing with chronic illness because of that, um, including myself. Um, if not a patient, usually a caregiver or uh, somebody who knows a Lyme patient, somebody who really um, wants to get involved and um, believes in the mission of prevention because we've been affected so um, so much by it. Um, you know, there's there's been a lot of triumphs. Um, one of them is that um, that I was selected. Um, for the 2019 uh, Department of Defense's Congressionally Directed Medical Research Program, Tick-Borne Disease uh, Research Program, um, where I helped um, decide where $5 million of uh, federal um, tick-borne disease research funding would be directed um, to, uh, to grant recipients at universities and, um, and uh, researchers who were, you know, um, had different studies that they were proposing, um, as well as our director of research, who is also my husband. Um, he, um, 
has a, a PhD in historic epidemiology. So he serves as our director of science and um, he served, has served two years as well on the DOD uh, panel. Um, we have um, other board members who have served in other capacities, you know, um, on, on their own merit. Um, and I'm very proud of everybody and, and their accomplishments of uh, putting their stories out there. Um, we've, yeah, we've just grown so much, you know, in the greater um, tick-borne disease sector, um, I think Lyme, Lyme TV, um, you know, is, is a brand name that's uh, recognized uh, for people who are already um, patients and who are, you know, who understand um, and know the organizations in that sector. However, we are a public health organization and um, and we partner with other public health organizations, um, you know, to promote um, best health practices and preventing pit fights. And so I, I want to be more known by people who don't have Lyme disease because my goal is to have people not get sick in the first place. So, um, you know, it's, I'm, I am glad that there are patients and, and people in the Lyme community who support us and, and, you know, who volunteer for us and who donate to us. Um, but our goal really is to reach the wider general public so we can provide that safety health education to them. Um, another big accomplishment I'll just go back and say is that, um, we founded a sister organization, a 501c4, which is a lobbying organization. And um, and we uh, wrote a bill, a legislative bill called the TIC uh, JEDI Bill. And JEDI is an acronym for Juvenile Educational Defense Initiative. And it's based off of our uh, school curriculum for youth that we uh, designed and developed. Um, and that's currently used in us uh, in schools in nine U.S. states. Uh, we um, provided um, education to thousands of, of students. Uh, we do believe that um, education is key to prevention, and um, and we want to teach youth as a life skill how to prevent against tick-borne diseases. So not only our curriculum, but we. Um, we created the Tick Jedi Coalition based on our bill, and um, we have, I think now, um, 18 tick-borne disease organizations across the United States in this coalition as one, um, working um, as partners to help get this legislation passed. Um, our, the the Tick Jedi Coalition's mission is to get the legislation passed in all 50 states. And we did have a resolution passed in Illinois, um, Illinois about a year and a half ago. And um, and we have legislation in New Jersey right now that's waiting to be passed uh, by the House. It was already unanimously passed by the New Jersey Senate. Um, and if it passes um, in the House, it will be required um, that all public schools in New Jersey uh, teach tick bite education prevention um, in their health sciences curriculum. And that's essentially what we're trying to do is to get that passed across the United States where it's required, uh, just like washing hands or sex ed or whatever that people know from youth um, that ticks are dangerous and, and what they can do and how to protect themselves. So, so start them young and um, what amazing how uh, yeah. working together, you can accomplish so much. Who would have thought, <laughs> right? Right, um, we are starting together, exactly, you know. And it's great that all, you know, 
we we partnered with so many wonderful organizations and you know it's just um yeah it's just we are stronger together you know it it i hate to say this but it's also um it's also a culture of celebrity we we always like to generally speaking now i'm not pointing any fingers but celebrity is always top of mind for a lot of people out there does it help i hate to say it but does it help that celebrities notable ones got impacted by Lime, giving you guys the ability to be, um, to shine a bigger light on Lyme disease? I hate to say it, but, and I don't wish anything on anybody, but does, does, do celebrities getting Lyme disease help your cause to, you know, spread awareness and prevention? I want to say yes and no. Um, so there are a lot of Lyme orgs who share stories when celebrities uh, talk about Lyme or get diagnosed. And I think that does help the general public at least become aware of the word Lyme disease, right? But of what I have seen, for instance, Justin Bieber, right? He is a big celebrity that has Lyme disease. He struggled with it. Um, he had some facial paralysis that, um, you know, um, has been reported as a likely cause of Lyme disease, which is very common, the Bell's palsy, um, very common with Lyme, but also common with other health issues. Um, and he's been he's been open about it. Yeah, I think he discussed it in some documentary he did and whatnot. And then recently I noticed, um, you know, an article, I, I don't know if it was CNN or whoever posted something about him canceling a tour or the rest of his tour. I, I don't keep up with with a lot of celebrities or his, Justin Bieber or whatnot, but I do know that he struggled with Lyme. It's, he's been public about it. And um, and then even all the comments, you know, they say, never read the comments. <laughs> but under the comments, people are like, um, you know, they were like, well, it must be nice to have all that money. You know, they don't even consider how. They don't even read the article, you know? Other some other people were like, oh well, didn't he have something that you know made his face paralyzed? Maybe it has something to do with that. People just don't pay attention. They don't fully read it unless you already had experience with Lyme and you resonate with that and you can tell people. But and just like with other diseases and disorders, right? If you don't have a personal connection, people don't pay attention. They have these blinders on, and will happen to me, you know. I'm going to smoke my cigarettes and I'm not going to get lung cancer. I'm going to go out here and I'm not going to get bit by a tick. They may read a story and put it in the back of their head. Um, but unless they know someone or they've been personally affected or someone that they care for, that's in their family and their ca a caregiver now, because that person has struggled, people just don't pay attention. And that is, um, that is why it's important to teach children as a life skill. So people do grow up knowing this as you know as they as they get older and they've already heard about it they at least understand um that ticks exist and that there's a real danger there's a lot of patients that contact us and even a lot of people on our team and me myself um that never heard of Lyme disease until we got diagnosed with it and we didn't know it's super dangerous and that and that's that kind of you know theme that we keep hearing and um yeah it just it really needs to be taught as a life skill young because i just people don't people don't pay attention sure well you know you're walking your dog uh you come back home you check your your clothes you check everything 
you notice a bullseye um, uh, mark on your on your skin. Uh, you suspect it might be uh, dangerous. Obviously, what's the procedure? Uh, whether it's Lyme disease or not, you're just you've been bitten by a tick. What's the procedure? What should people know? Okay. Well, first thing is that clinical symptoms can uh, a rash can come three to thirty days after a tick bite. So um, you may get bitten by a tick, and if you're not doing a daily tick check to look for them actively, and they're so tiny, so you can miss them. That tick can be on you feeding for a couple of days, fall off, and you won't get a rash until later. And then you're like, oh, I don't know. Where did that rash come from? I must have ate something or got an allergic reaction. You don't know, right? At that point, you're like, hmm, what is that? Um, Also, clinical symptoms, you know, like the fatigue and joint pain, that could even come months after a tick bite. So these clinical symptoms can be delayed, which can obviously delay proper diagnosis. And in the meantime, that disease is disseminating, people are getting sicker. So again, this is why daily um, tick prevention and thorough daily tick checks is vital. Um, But if you come home and you find a tick is attached and it has bitten, the first thing that you want to do is not panic, okay? You don't want to be like, oh my God, it's a tick for me and just pull it off and jerk it off. Because if you're grabbing a tick with your fingers, you are essentially squeezing, you know, the tick and the bacteria and, and the pathogens that are that the tick transmits um, when when it becomes that vector. Um, it's coming from its midgut. They kind of live there. So when you if you just grab the tick off, that is going to act like a, a balloon deflating and regurgitate all of that gut bacteria and gut, you know, uh, content into you. So you then increase your risk substantially of getting a tick disease if that tick is infected, right? Not all ticks are infected, but, you know, um, so although a lot of ticks are infected, there are areas that have up to 90% tick infection rate. So like, you know, this is why it's so important. You never know. You can't look at a tick and tell. So you want to first just, you know, you want tweezers, fine tip tweezers. You want to grab it at the head of the tick. I wish I had my icky the ticky stuffy toy with me because I would demonstrate when I when I teach kids in school. Um but uh we we have tweezers and you want to grab it at the head of the tick closest to your skin and firmly but gently just kind of keep lifting it until the mouth lets go and separate from you. Um if parts of the mouth remain inside, it's fine. Just wash it with soap and water, disinfect the area. The mouth will, you know, come out. And then, um, you know, save the tick for testing. You want to know what pathogens it may have had that transmit to you. Uh, don't just never discard a tick after. But then keep watch for clinical symptoms, you know, kind of take a look. Uh, to see if you get a rash anywhere in your body, but definitely send that tick in because the tick may be fine or that tick may have Lyme disease, anaplasma, babesia. And and also tick disease transmission times span, um, they they vary across the board. Um, Powassan virus transmits in as little as 15 minutes. Um, it has a very high fatality rate. So uh, people... Um, you know, you don't want to get Powassan Um, You know, anaplasma, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, um, you know, Babesia, they all transmit a lot faster than Lyme. So if you end up having a Lyme diagnosis, if that 
sick, had other diseases, you you all you do have those other diseases because they were transmitted first. So always also make sure that if you ever get sick and a doctor does diagnose with Lyme, that they do a full tick-borne panel because you want to know if you have other tick diseases too. Because you may be treating a Lyme and not getting better. Nobody knows why because you have other infections. Um, but definitely check yourself, remove the tick with tweezers, wash your hands with soap and water, disinfect the tweezers, the site, um, save the tick for testing, um, take pictures if you ever get a rash anywhere, take photos because by the time you get to your doctor, the rash may be gone. You want to show them the photos. If you ever get a rash after a tick bite, that is a Lyme disease diagnosis. Uh, the CDC, the, the United States Centers for Disease Control, says that if you have a, a rash after a tick bite in an endemic area, get on antibiotics right away, a 30-day course of antibiotics, um, because um, the rash is from the bacteria spreading into your skin. It does not come from the tick bite. It is, it is a telltale sign that you have Lyme disease. Um, but again, the absence of a rash does not mean that you don't have one right so just and, kind of take a look at those things and, and and keep record and track and of course all that information is on lime tv lymetv.org everything that you could possibly want to know with prevention and that's why prevention is the key yeah uh rapid fire i'm going to throw about five questions your way uh nothing uh, rapid about it take your time although uh these are pretty short answers i would think <laughs> i'm ready bring it on if you could travel the world for free where would you go first mm, that's hard because the places that i've uh wanted to go i've already been to i've been to all seven continents i've even been on an antarctica expedition um, but one place that's very popular with people that I have never um, had a chance to go to is actually Italy. I want to go to Italy. Never heard yeah. of it. I'm nope. Just joking. <laughs> and you know what? I've been to northern Sweden, but I'd also love to go to Norway. Sure. Oh, Norway. absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, well, Europe. A little more in Europe and the Scandinavian countries. What would be the title of your autobiography? I'm sorry, this is not a rapid answer. Um, you but, it's know. A, but it's a good one. <laughs> uh, shit happens and you just push through. By Adina Berkowitz. <laughs> Period. That's it. Uh, best advice you've received? I would say um, just be yourself and, and never give up. Be persistent. You know, it's a cliche to say, follow your dreams, but just keep going. Just, just keep going. Don't, don't ever let anyone tell you that you can't do something. And if they do, then, you know, really prove them wrong. So just be yourself and keep going. Who would play you in your journey movie? Ah, mm. uh, uh, Drew Barrymore. <laughs> Okay. All right. <laughs> Is it wrong to wear socks with sandals? You know, everyone should be themselves and just wear what's comfortable. I don't judge any fashion style. If you I were, would not personally. You not. wouldn't. I, I wouldn't either. But I just figured I would ask you, if you were given an all-expense-paid trip to Cleveland, no offense to Cleveland, in February, would you take it? Yeah, sure. YOLO. New York. And I and love, 
I Go love ahead. winters. Oh, you do? <laughs> uh, New York in the fall or Paris in the spring? Mm. Oh, can I do both? Sure. <laughs> uh, what superpower would you want to have? Oh, uh, you know, I'd say healing myself like Wolverine. Yeah, I wish awesome. I could. <laughs> would you rather see a lot of places or get to know one really well? No one really well. I've seen a lot of places, but yeah, I think there's, um, that's, I think that's rare today with humanity, you know, to really just connect on a deeper level. Yeah. Is there somewhere in the world that you'd go back to because of your extensive travels just for the people? I'd go back to Antarctica just for the penguins <laughs> and because there's no people, right? That's the point. It's pristine. There's, you know, humanity hasn't um, destroyed uh, yet the beauty of Antarctica, but for just for the people, Cambodia. Cambodia. I love Cambodia and the people are amazing. They're so kind. And even people in Thailand, it's called the land of smiles. People are just so nice, but the children in Cambodia they're brilliant. They speak many languages. They're, yeah, I love Cambodia. Amazing. I hope to get there one day myself. Uh, Adina Berkowitz, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today on the Fact Up podcast. Of course, limetv.org. Bookmark that page. Get to know that page. Stay up to date with what's happening with everything Lime. And of course, with Adina. And uh, it is sound advice, uh, prevention is the key. Thank you so much. And I, I wish you um, continued success with the organization and uh, keep kicking some ass, man. No, thank you for everything, Jim. And, you know, your support, if people don't know, your Greek baskets, amazing. Love them. Buy <laughs> some, you. you know, Jim. <laughs> thank you're you. So, yeah, you're a wonderful, you know, human being and, and your partner. And, and I'm just grateful to know you both. Thank you. Thank for... you very much. And, and, and likewise, it's, it's all on this side of the screen as well, Adina. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care.